the Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Welcome to the Long Story Short, the weekly podcast on Burn Media. I'm Liz Calloway. If you're enjoying the Long Story Short, be sure to like it and share it with your friends. We all need to work together to save America. And now on with the show. It's Long Story Short with Liz Calloway. A few weeks ago on my radio show, we celebrated my co-host's birthday. Nick Summers was turning 54. I surprised him with a few great gifts, including an interview with Mark Safer. He's an even bigger fan of Nikola Tesla than Nick. Nick was always wondering about certain things regarding Tesla. He finally got a chance to ask an expert. Time for the Liz Calloway Show. You asked for it, and we got it. Now, 6 to 10 weekday mornings. Always local. Always live. Always right. Here's Liz and Nick on Talk 94.5. The Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Now, Nikki, I gave you your uh, first part of your birthday gift this morning, the Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley painting, yes. It's yeah. beautiful. His rendition of the uh, Statue of Liberty, it's beautiful. It's always been one of my favorites. That's and what you, you said. And you remembered that. <laughs> and I mentioned it once, months ago. Well, I sought it out. Well, I wanted to give you your second gift. Okay. And this is something that you've mentioned that you also love. And um, open it up. Open okay. it up. It feels like... Oh, wait, maybe I should do it on Facebook Live. It feels like, hold on, I like to guess. Uh, it's not a guitar, sadly. Um, <laughs> it's not an octopus. Um, it's a book. It's <gasps> a book. What book is it? Whoa. I have you on Facebook Live right now, so. One of my favorite guys of all time. Let me see it. Nikola Tesla. So this is a book called Tesla, Wizard at War. Whoa. The author is Mark Safer, and guess what? What? Oh, that's who we have on the line? That's who you have on the line. This is so exciting. <laughs> so turn on the phone line and oh welcome Dr. Safer to the show. Good morning. Hi, guys. Happy birthday, Nick. Well, thank you, kind <laughs> sir, and I cannot wait to sink my teeth into this book. Uh, well... I also uh, wrote a little note for you in there. Oh, okay. I- yeah. I'm going to look it up while Liz talks to you. Okay, I'm going to read my note. Oh, wow. Whoa. I hope you enjoy Tesla, Wizard at War. And then it says, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, best. Does that say regards? Yes. <laughs> to a budding Tesla. I like it. So, this is great. So Nick has always talked about Tesla, and sometimes he goes into all sorts of things about Tesla. Um, and he's watched documentaries, and he's read books. And uh, I don't think you've had any of Dr. Safer's books. This is his second book. It just came out no. called Wizard at War, and he's done an extensive amount of research in it, and the reviews are phenomenal. So I asked uh, him to come on the show and talk about it because uh, it's very, very interesting. So, Nick, you get to ask all your questions because Dr. Safer has done so much research. Well, I have to ask you first, and by the way, thank you kindly for the the inscription and the book. I cannot wait, but I'm pretty uh-huh. sure you're going to agree with me when I ask you this question. Uh, Nikola Tesla, was he not the greatest genius, most brilliant mind of our time and before? Am I, is that, like, not true? I think it's fair to say I've been at it for 40 years, believe it or not, and he just gets more and more interesting the more you study him. Hmm. Uh, 
He's, you know, he's inventor of the hydroelectric power system, which is clean, renewable energy. And, you know, here in, uh, in the Northeast, it, it runs the entire Northeast from Niagara Falls without polluting the earth and without sapping the earth of any energy. He's inventor, inventor of fluorescent and neon lights, um, also remote control, also wireless communication. In 1900, 1901, he's talking to his backer, J.P. Morgan, saying, I have the ability to create an unlimited number of wireless channels. So he actually is the, the inventor, the fundamental uh, invention behind cell phone technology. So that's just some of his inventions. It's just, you know, he's just truly incredible. Yeah, and, and, and I know that it was posthumously, uh, he was then considered the true inventor and father of radio. It just so happens Marconi had better money, better backing, and a better PR firm. But it's interesting to me, and I know that you can, you can I guess, validate this for people that who often call me like I'm nuts. But I really think that the Marconi Awards for radio should be called the Tesla Awards because he was using that technology way before Marconi. And the reason why they finally, the patent office, finally, the U.S. government admitted to this is because they found that Marconi actually used some of Tesla's designs to get his radio to work. Is that not true? Yeah. In fact, what I discuss in Wizard at War is a, is a lawsuit. It's a very amazing time. During World War One. Marconi sues the U.S. Navy and also sues Telefunken, which is the German company, mm -hmm. because they've got, before we got into the war, before they got, um, the Germans had you had their equipment on naval ships, U.S. Navy ships, because the Germans had the best wireless system. And their, <clears throat> their uh, consultant was Tesla. The assistant secretary of the Navy at that time was Franklin Roosevelt, who would later become president of the United States. And I found a letter in the Library of Congress, written by Franklin Roosevelt in 1915, which says, Tesla predates Marconi. Let's use Tesla in the lawsuit because Marconi is suing us, the U.S. Navy, and also the German company, and we're going to need Tesla to testify. So that was some of the amazing you know, things that I found in, in the new book, Was It at War? Dr. Safer, I need to uh, just tell a couple of things about you. Uh, you know, you're a handwriting expert and you've worked for the fraud unit at the uh, of the Rhode Island Attorney General's office. You're also a psychology professor with a uh, specialty in neuroscience of telepathy and parapsychology at Providence College. What turned you on to really, really going so deep into Tesla's life and uncovering so much. And like you said, you're still, you know, learning new things. Uh, why, what, what piqued your interest? Well, I was teaching parapsychology at the time, and I was studying uh, telepathy. I was working with uh, psychics like Ingo Swan and Uri Geller. Uh, Ingo Swan was doing re remote viewing of uh, Russian installations. Uri Geller was working for the CIA. He didn't know that at the time at Stanford Research Institute, hmm. bending metal and doing telepathy. And then you, you start studying out-of-body experiences and ghosts and UFOs. And at some point, you don't know where reality ends and fantasy begins. Hmm. And when I discovered Tesla, I had real patents because he was really very unknown at the time. If it wasn't for Tesla Motors, he would still be pretty much unknown at the, you know, now. And so... Uh, I had the patents, and I said, God, this, this guy's real. So I made him the subject of my doctoral dissertation to find out if he really was the inventor of the radio <laughs> and if he really was the inventor of you know, wireless communication, remote control, hydroelectric power system. And I found, to my utter astonishment, he really was the, foundating, the foundation 
inventor behind all of these. And I said, I have this huge story. So that's when I wrote the, you know, my first book, Wizard of the Life and Times of Nikola Tesla. So it really was because parapsychology was a minefield. They didn't know where reality ended and fantasy begun. But with Tesla, I had the concrete patents. And that was really the main reason why I shifted gears and shifted into his life. I would say that the book Wizard at War could be a bit terrifying, you know, talking about death rays and particle, these things. Um, Can you explain what you go through in that book? Because it's... uh, I've read a lot of the reviews on it, and it says uh, how deeply researched this is, and the footnotes are so long. And I mean, you can really, really uh, feel like you're getting a researched document here. What are you trying to show in this book, Wizard at War, about Nikola Tesla? I'm trying to show a few things. One, he's an exciting guy with with a great sense of humor. Um, So I wanted to show him in his heyday, which was the, the gay 90s. He was friends with Mark Twain, Rudyard Kipling. His best friend was Robert Underwood Johnson, who was editor of Century Magazine, and his wife, Catherine Johnson. And one of my favorite letters is uh, he writes to Catherine Johnson. They almost read like love letters, because I think they had like a vicarious love affair. But he's, but Kipling, you know, he's back from, uh, from Colorado Springs. He's back in New York City, living in the world of Astoria. And he's having lunch with, with Kipling in some, uh, in a, you know, so he takes him to Greenwich Village. So he writes to uh, uh, Catherine, uh, you know, uh, Ink Spiller Kipling invited me to this seedy restaurant in Greenwich Village where I was sure to find hair and cockroaches in the soup. <laughs> and so, you know, you just crack up. So I, I tried to capture that a- aspect of his life. Mm. But, at, but at the same time, I had just finished this television show that helped create called The Tesla Files, which is now on Amazon. It's a five-part limited series. And from, wow. to create the show... We were looking for his secret papers, because when he died, um, a fellow by the name of John G. Trump was hired, he worked at MIT, to look through Tesla's papers, uh, because there was military implications for the papers. <clears throat> I didn't know at the time, until actually we were doing the show, that he happened to have been President Trump's uncle, he was uh, his father's brother. Um, so in 1943, at the height of World War II, Trump looks through his papers and says, you know, don't worry about this, uh, I know he's got military things in here, but we don't have to worry about it. We can send all this stuff to Yugoslavia. And what I, what I uncovered was there was another general. His name was General L.C. Craigie. He was the first uh, military person to fly a jet plane. He's working at Wright-Patterson uh, Air Force Base. And he looks through the papers and he says, wait a second. There's important stuff in here. Let's not do that. So they sat on, the military sat on his papers for 10 years uh, before they shipped them over to uh, Belgrade, where they created a Tesla museum. And what I discovered was that Tesla is the inventor of the Osprey helicopter airplane. Wow. And one of the people on this uh, staff that was looking at his papers was the head of Bell Labs, and that's where you know the Osprey comes from. So there's a patent for that. And then I discovered that he sold his particle beam weapon, uh, the details, to the Soviet Union. And after making the show, a guy from who was getting his doctorate in the Soviet Union sent me recently declassified documents which showed that Joseph Stalin himself had to okay the sale because it was $25,000 in 1934, which is about $500,000 in today's money for the details. So you're asking about the scary part. Tesla said, I'm going to call this a peace ray because it was a way to shoot down airplanes and ships because he felt that any um, country who had this, you'd have to be crazy to invade that country. 
uh, because the defense was so great. Mm-hmm. So the death ray was also called a peace ray, and that was the, the irony of, of that aspect of, you know, of, of that uh, weapon. Very interesting. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Mark Safer. He is the author of, of many things, but uh, the most recent new book, Tesla, Wizard at War. If you, were, if you had the opportunity to meet Tesla today, what are some of the things, what are some of the missing links that you, you just want to know or are curious about or, or just need one more piece of information? What would you ask him? Uh, a few things. One I would like to know is he, he said he could harness cosmic rays, but he was also negotiating with uh, General uh, Andrew McNaughton, who was uh, the head of secret weapons development for the Canadian government. Um, and when you look at, when you uh, Google uh, McNaughton's name, he's on the cover of Life magazine, he's on the cover of Time magazine, it's pictures of him with Winston Churchill during the height of World War II. turns out he was third in line to be the head of Allied forces behind Eisenhower and Mountbatten. I also found a letter signed by Franklin Roosevelt wanting, in quotes, the lowdown of Nikola Tesla, while Tesla was still alive during World War II. So I'd want to know, did he ever actually speak with uh, Franklin Roosevelt? Uh, and did he speak with Churchill? Did he speak with uh, uh, Neville Chamberlain? These were the heads of you know the governments during World War II. And so I would, those are the kinds of questions I'd like to know. How far up... I know he was trying to sell the weapon to the British War Office, um, and I go into that in great deal to detail, but I don't know if he actually got paid from the British War Office. He also gave the details, the secrets of this weapon, to the United States government, um, and I'd like to know a lot more about that. I interviewed the guy he actually gave it to. His name was Ralph Bergstresser. He was working for military intelligence, uh, meeting with Tesla. So I would like to know how far up uh, the, the line he got who he actually uh, conversed with, and how much money he actually got for the details of the weapon. I know he sold it to the Russians. I think he gave it to the British, and he gave it to the the Americans, but I don't know if he got paid from either of those two governments. You know, the thing that is always depicted in some of the... uh I guess the docu uh, documentaries that I see, you know, sometimes on History Channel, I'm sure you've seen those as well. And they glaze over so many of the details, the intricacies that I'm sure you touch on here, it sounds like, in your new book, Wizards at War. Uh, how about the whole situation about energy for all? He felt that that didn't need to be patented. He felt that everybody could tap into the Earth's own energy and everybody would have an unlimited supply. Of energy, and that's mainly the reason why he all of his funding was pulled, and why he was labeled a loon later in life because the people who brokered and dealt in energy didn't want to have any part of that because there's no profit in it. I looked at it a little bit differently. I okay, mean, he, what he what he felt was that it was a different paradigm. <clears throat> First of all, it was in, in 1900, 1901. J.P. Morgan was the richest, most powerful man in the world, and he was funding Tesla. And Tesla ran out of money, and and Morgan was saying, "Well, Marconi's doing it for so much cheaper. Why don't you know? Why can't you do it for cheaper? I'm not going to give you the, the rest of the money that that you need. It's just too expensive." And Tesla was saying, "The money will come in in a different way, on the sale of equipment, um, and also on the use of uh, wireless telephone." Um, look at um, you know, I love football. Look at you got a linebacker making sixty million dollars a year. He is the inventor of our. Uh, you know, mass communication system. It created billions and billions of dollars, a lot through advertising. Um, so, so it was a whole different paradigm. So in that sense, it was free. 
uh, when I was a kid and, you know, growing up, we never paid for television. <clears throat> we certainly never paid for radio either. <clears throat> in fact, I had a good friend who was going into cable in the, in the 1970s, cable TV. I thought he was crazy. Who the heck is going to pay for TV? It's free. So, so he really did want to make money that way. And it wasn't just, it was free in that sense and that it would be available. But how would you build them? That was one of his problems. But he, I don't think he wanted to provide free energy for the world. I think uh, he expected to make money in a, in a different way. So do you think that somebody like the J.P. Morgan, who did pull a lot of his funding when he was trying to develop this, Wardenclyffe and all the different areas that he was trying to get this put together, do you think they just misinterpreted what his long – he had a long-term vision, bigger-picture vision than these people did? Yes. He, he, they definitely misunderstood. Tess was trying to tell him the money will come in. We'll, we'll be making $10,000 a day. Uh, and I'll pay you back, you know, because you had him $150,000. So in 15 days, he would have paid him back. And he was right. Um, in fact, he he had a, a royalty clause with the Germans during uh, during World War One. He was making 15000 a year from two different wireless stations. And then, you know, we had to uh, get into the war. And, of course, he lost all of that, that money. So there, so there was a great deal of money. But there is one clear example where, where the Morgan people really definitely... Uh, stopped, and that was in fluorescent lighting. Morgan had attached the fluorescent lighting patents to the deal as well, and it took till 1940 for fluorescent lighting to come in. But you see those famous pictures of Tesla holding those globes. He had wireless fluorescent lights where you could move the, the light bulb anywhere in the room wow. because it picked it picked up the vibrations you know from his Tesla coil. Yeah, that is so amazing. And we're speaking with Dr. Mark Safer. He is the author of Tesla Wizard at War. I I needed to ask you about what is a particle beam or a peace ray or a death ray? Like what what is the nature of these weapons of war that he was creating? It's it's kind of like a scary for me to think of that someone would have, you know, cre- the, the those who create these these um death massive you know weapons of mass destruction it seems but what was his uh you know his weapons what would they do to people or countries or military well one thing he understood was if you take like a flashlight and and send it out it loses a lot of its energy because it spreads out so he had to figure out how can i concentrate the energy and his brilliance was to come up with a particle beam weapon so what he was doing was he was using the force of, of repulsion when a negative meets a negative, it's repelled, you know, um, to magnets. And so what he was doing was he's breaking off tiny little pieces of tungsten and feeding them into a cannon, and he'd get, create a stream of tiny little particles like a laser beam. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're worried now with Putin. He's, he's got, you know, airplanes that can deliver something like Mach 5, uh, speed of light times, uh, you know, five times the speed of light. With a, with a bomb. He's threatened us already a few times. <clears throat> so Tesla was looking at it as a defensive weapon, that if every country had a defensive weapon, he wasn't looking at it as an offensive weapon, as a way to protect uh, each country. So, if, you know, if North Korea or whatever, they send over a missile. So, the uh, you know, the Israelis have the Iron Dome, which is a similar concept where, you know, if rockets come in, uh, you would shoot them down. So that was uh, a lot of his plan. But I agree with you. You're stuck with the mentality who who is ever in charge of these horrible weapons, and I don't think Tesla really figured that all out. Hmm. Well, Doctor Safer, it was such a pleasure 
speaking with you. We've been planning this for quite some time, you and You've I. You've been planning, yeah. <laughs> well, Dr. Safer and I. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, delivering this great birthday gift to my co-host, Nick Summers. And Nick, did you enjoy uh, the opportunity to talk to someone who loves Tesla as much as you do? Absolutely. And it was an honor to speak with you, to, 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 to talk with somebody who's done all the research. I mean, I can only do so much being just myself, and so much of it is force-fed to us through TV, and I can't wait to get into your book. And I want to check out your first book as well. But the new book, Tesla, Wizard at War, thank you, doctor. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. And, and I want to just add this, and I know you agree, but so much of everything, if we just did a, st- stood in the middle of a room and just did a 360, you would hit so many things that Tesla invented or is directly responsible for. And I think people have lost sight of that. Yeah, the one idea I had, we were, we were at the United Nations. We thought if the whole world could celebrate one person's birthday, it would help unify the world. His birthday is July 10th, and so we made a pitch in the in the 1990s to make Tesla's birthday a world event. And so that, that's wow. one of the things. But, I like but it. But thank you, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, the book Tesla so, Wizard at War. I'm extremely proud of it, and I, and there's many different aspects to it. So I I just greatly appreciate Liz that you you came up with this idea of giving this birthday gift. Well. One more quick thing I wanted to say was sure. Bertoldi's handwriting. He's got a beautiful signature. Uh, so you look it up, the guy who designed the Statue of Liberty. Wow. Because you're a handwriting expert. Yes, it's a magnificent signature. Wow. Can, can I ask you one question about being a handwriting expert? Can you um, learn a lot about a person, or are you someone who analyzes to say, yes, this is an actual signature? It's unbelievable what you can learn. I looked at J.P. Morgan's signature, Tom Edison's signature, Tesla's signature, Marconi's signature. Uh, Stanford White was his architect who designed the original Madison Square Garden. Uh, he's got the handwriting of, of a genius. He designed the Capitol building in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, so, yeah, it all comes alive uh, when you look at the handwriting. Well, we're going to have to do magnificent this. Signature. Well, I'm going to look at it now, but we're going to have to do a whole other segment on that. Yes. Because that's oh, fascinating. That great. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dr. Safer, thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Okay, thanks again. The Long Story Short Podcast with Liz Calloway. Thank you for downloading Long Story Short. If you need to reach me, you can always email me at LizCallowayLLC at gmail.com. That's Calloway with all A's. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a review, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, I'm Liz Calloway.